You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Friday, July 14th. This is The Christian Commute. I'm your host, Seth Dunn. I'm driving not home, so the short the show might be a little shorter. I'm going to pick up my kids from day camp, and it's at one of the county school buildings that's closer to the house. So if the show is shorter, that's why. In fact, it says it's going to take me 39 minutes to get there. There will also be... Oh, there's the alarm telling me to leave. Let me turn that off. Try, by the way, with uh, my accent, telling the phone to set an alarm for 4.10 p.m. For 4.10 p.m., which is when I'm leaving right now. I set two alarms for 10 p.m., and then I was like, you know what, set it for 4.13, and it worked. But I'm on the way to pick them up, and there's going to be pauses because I have Kool-Aid. Here's one. So I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on the way to pick my kids up. I do not have a full show for you today because I don't have any questions in the inbox. That's that. Listen, if you guys, like Lauren did yesterday from Chattanooga, if you guys have any questions about theology and apologetics, you can send them to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com. And I'm turning up the air conditioner at the expense of sound quality because it's hot. I don't know if this computer, I don't know if this car, I have the cheap minivan. My wife has the expensive one. I have the cheap one. I don't even know if this will tell me what the temperature is outside. Who knows? It's hot. How about that? So today the show show topic is senior pastors and biblical qualifications. I'm going to beat that dead horse. Do you guys know that when I got home yesterday, I wasn't through talking, and I drove around my neighborhood until I got through saying what I wanted to say? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep talking about this. <laughs> and you know I'm in a bad mood because I'm, I'm going to... But you see a bunch of guys, they think they're so great. We should give them a stone-cold stunner. That's the bottom line. But, you know, I, I can't get agitated because then I'll start coughing. So that's the show title. And since I didn't have any questions, I'm just going to do a longer than normal Bible chapter review. Matthew chapter 23, verses 5 through 12. Jesus is condemning the Pharisees. He just told the people they need to follow uh, the law of Moses, what the Pharisees are telling them to do, but don't act like the Pharisees because they don't. <laughs> That's what he said in verses 23, 1 through 4, chapter 23, 1 through 4. Now we're going to do verses 5 through 12. And they, they being the Pharisees, and they do all their deeds to be noticed by other people. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the seats of honor 
at their synagogues. And personal greetings in the marketplaces. And being called rabbi by the people. But as for you, do not be called rabbi. For only one is your teacher. And you are all brothers and sisters. And do not call anyone on earth your father. For only one is your father. He who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders. For only one is your leader. That is Christ. But the greatest of you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I would like to hear the Roman Catholic explanation of this verse. How do the Roman Catholics read this where Jesus says, don't call anyone father? And he's referring to teachers of religion here. <coughs> he's not saying don't call your dad father. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the teachers of the law. The people are telling you what to, be to believe. And then the Roman Catholics have priests that, that they go around calling father. What's the deal? Why, like, why do they call him that and how do they get around this? I'm sh you know what? I'm sure there's some reasonable explanation. But this low church Protestant reads this and is like, huh. And then I was reading this and it says, don't call anyone leader. And I'm wondering to myself, wow, did anybody tell this to the people at churchleaders.com? And that, that, that just may, might be how words can be used differently. Because uh, this, this term, the, the Greek term that the New American Standard translates leader, can be translated into instructor. Uh, <coughs> something like a professor. But Paul's New American Standard Bible, the very Bible that Paul used, the New American Standard, says leader. And this is, I mean, this is so providential because I decided to talk about all these uppity-up senior pastors who think they're above everybody. And then we're talking about, like, watch out for these guys who say they're the teacher. Don't call them the teachers. Don't call them the leader. Now, Jesus is not talking about senior pastors. He's talking about Pharisees. And, by the way, when I was reading this, I could not help but think of black church pastors. That's one of those things that, like, I am 100% not trying to be racist, but I guess it sounds that way. I talked yesterday about how in the black church culture, like, uh, the black church, like, because, you know, we've said that before, there's no such thing as a white church and a black church. We, we're, our souls are all stained with sin, stained red with sin, and uh, washed white by the blood, of, stained black with sin, and washed white as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ. There shouldn't be any racial differences. There really shouldn't be a white church and a black church. But that's just how things are in some parts of our country. But in the black church culture, I was talking about how that pastor is treated like a little god. And I was just thinking about a black church pastor walking around the neighborhood. Hey, pastor. Hey, pastor. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You know. And, and getting seated at the banquet at the, the prominent place and that respect around town. And that authority around town that that guy's got. And then like, yeah, but are you really living it? Creflo, 
Eddie Long, are you really living it? It spoke out to me. And by the way, we haven't started for the first bit of talking what this Bible church, uh, Bible chapter uh, review means. But I just can't help but think, man, people are still acting like this today. But what is, what is the condemnation that Jesus has of the Pharisees? Is that they're not genuine. Like, they're not out to please God. They're out for... Uh, not even really to please men, but to be thought of, thought well of by men, and exalted by men, down to the way they dress. So, a phylactery, if you guys don't know, would have been something attached to someone's hat, like a box. And in the box would have been like a little piece of paper that had scripture on it. Because the, the Old Testament says you ha- you got to have the Scripture as a frontal on your forehead. So that's what they're literally doing. They're putting Scripture on their head. That's how they're dressed. And they want to have, look how big my phylactery is. And the tassels on their garments had something to do with this too. Like, look at me. I am a Pharisee, and you can tell it by how I, I'm dressed. Honor me. Love me. Give me the seat at the banquet table. Greet me in the marketplace. People are, I want people falling all over themselves to say something nice about me because I am so holy and I tell everybody else how to live. And Jesus is saying, these people want to be pleased by others. They want to be looked up to, but they're not doing anything to please God. They're just a bunch of actors. It's empty. It's worse. You know, if somebody's a hellion, and they spend every Friday and Saturday night getting drunk at the biker bar, hey, they're not pretending to be something they're not. Yeah, they're a sinner, but that's okay. You are what you say you are. I appreciate that. But if you walk around with Scripture on you, with these big phylacteries, like, look at me, look at me, look how holy I am, but you don't really believe it inside, that's even worse because you're a hypocrite, you're a phony, you're a fake. And the way these people reacted to Jesus, these Pharisees, <coughs> proves they're fakes. Because if they're out to please God, they'd love God and they'd love His Messiah. Don't go around calling these people rabbi, which means teacher. Don't go around calling them that. God's your teacher. That's the one. And we're all brothers and sisters in the family of God, so don't call these people father. Like, you're a disciple of this rabbi. Because you got to understand, these guys had disciples like Jedis have Padawans in Star Wars. Like, I am of the school of this rabbi. I am of the school of that rabbi. Like, Paul was trained by Gamaliel, for example. So these guys would have schools or schools of thought, and they'd have these little disciples. And I'm like, that's my father. Even today, I don't like how people say, oh, that guy's my spiritual father. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And Christ is our leader. Hey, Pope, did you hear that? Hey, Vicar of Christ on earth, Pope Francis, or whatever you, you guys want to rename yourselves on all the popery. Hear that from the Bible? So Christ is really really tearing down this hierarchy here of the people with the tassels and the phylacteries 
getting greeted in the marketplace and getting the seats of honor at the banquets and saying, well, we're all, we're all supposed to be lowly before God. These people want to exalt themselves. They are not seeking to be servants, though. And Jesus says, no, the greatest of you shall be your servant. He who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees exalt themselves, and they're trying to be humbled. Now, that's the end of the Bible chapter review. But I'm going to tell you this, because I'm about to go in. <coughs> I'm getting all worked up. I'm losing my breath. I'm about to go into the show topic. These guys who call themselves senior pastors and hire all these underling pastors to go around and be their lackeys and drive them to the airport and, and they tell them, oh, here's the church credit card. Go buy yourself a suit because you hit your numbers this year. This stuff happens. In the words of Robert Tilton, I don't make this stuff up. <coughs> he makes it up. I don't. I've seen midgets grow. <laughs> you remember that? Robert Tilton said, I've seen midgets grow. I don't make this stuff up. But I'm I'm legitimately not making this stuff up. Like, here, little, here, little peon. Here, little lap dog. Here, little sycophant. Here's the church credit card. You did good this week. Go get yourself some Italian loafers and Buckhead. And for you people who are not from Georgia, Buckhead is where the rich people live. That's where the expensive mall is, is in Buckhead. I've only been there twice to that mall. Oh, and I was, by the way, speaking of people who, like the rich people who live in Buckhead and going to the expensive mall, not that anybody should judge me for this, but <coughs> I listened to yesterday's podcast and I was like, I don't dust, the maid does that. I don't have a maid who comes every day or like lives with me. She comes twice a month. She used to come once a month, but now that my wife works, she comes twice a month. Because you can imagine with all the kids I have, my house gets messy. Um, <coughs> but I ain't driving a Cadillac on the Christian commute. And I know sometimes I sound snooty. And yesterday I was like, I'm not dusting the maid does. So, just so you know, not that y'all were judging me. It's really more of a cleaning lady than a maid. You know, she goes to other houses. Anyway, there's two ladies that come from, from, actually, not just one. Where was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the senior pastors who exalt themselves over the other pastors. I wanted to look at the concept of senior pastors and under, they call them associate pastors, but underling pastors from the standpoint of the biblical qualifications for a pastor. And this is going to be from the Baptist perspective. So, okay. Baptist Faith and Message, Article 6, says there's two offices, deacon and pastor. Okay, we get it. But it also says that churches are run by the democratic process. In other words, we're all brothers and sisters, and we have church membership, and it's the church who is appointing the pastors to the offices. So it's, ultimately, the authority is vested in the congregation, in the Baptist model, which is called what? Congregational. Okay? So you look at what is the qualification for an elder. And we're saying, this is actually codified in the Baptist Faith and Message now, that elder, overseer, and pastor, all these terms, all these English words refer to the same office 
That is, as I've said on this show a million times, Episcopos, Overseer, or Bishop. Presbyteros, where we get our word Presbyterian. Uh, elder, Presbyteros means elder. And Poimen, which is what we translate pastor. That's a shepherd. Okay? All the same office, just different words to describe the same office. <laughs> <coughs> no confusion. All right. So we're talking about what are the qualifications for an elder. Okay. They're in the pastoral epistles. Timothy and Titus. This is where we find them. And it's a guy who's not a new believer. It's the husband of one wife. Someone who's apt to teach someone who's not pugnacious, in other words, not somebody who's out picking fights and is volatile. Okay? And someone who has children who believe and someone who manages his own household well. And Paul says, because if he can't manage his own household, how is he supposed to manage the household of God? So the qualifications we see, some of them are about character, or virtue and some of them are about skill like can he teach and that has to do with knowledge because you got to have knowledge to be able to teach and then you've got to have the capability to do it and not just the capability of, or spirituality of the moral things but can you manage your household well because there's lots of nice guys out there who know their bible and love their family and are virtuous, but they can't manage their household well just because they, they're not good at it. Some people just aren't good with time and money. In, in Star Trek world, they'd say they don't have the lobes. Like, quark versus rom. Sorry if you're not a nerd and you don't know what I'm talking about. But guys who just don't have the lobes, okay? They don't need to be an overseer of the church if they can't oversee their house. And you can imagine how difficult it would be for a man to oversee his house and the church at the same time, a Christian man, if his children didn't believe, if he had more than one wife, and if he was pugnacious and given, over, given to strong drink. Okay. But when you consider the skill and virtue required scripturally to be eligible for the pastoral office... Think about the kind of man that is who can fill the pastoral office. And if you have more than one pastor at your church, you need to ask yourself the question, why is it that a man who's qualified needs a senior pastor to supervise him or look over his shoulder? This guy's qualified to be a pastor scripturally, so we've made him a pastor. But now we've put him under someone else and called this other guy the senior pastor. Why? They're both qualified. And here's the thing. They're equally qualified. Pastoral qualification is not you, uh, a, a 1 through 10 rating. And we're going to get everybody who's a 6 or above. If we're a poor church, we have to take a 6. But if we're a rich church, we can afford a 10. Or we're going to hire a 10 and then three sevens. You're either qualified or you're not. <coughs> it's not like, like a baseball player, for example. You guys have heard of five-tool baseball players? Ronald Acuna is a five-tool player. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can run the bases well at steel bases. He can defend well, and he has a good arm. 
all right? And he's a Major League Baseball player. He's got all five tools. Remember Juan Pierre, who was on the Marlins? I think he was on the Phillies. Juan Pierre was not a five-tool player. But Juan Pierre had a, a long Major League career because Juan Pierre could hit for average, and he was fast. Did not have a good arm, could not hit for power. He was a two-tool player. Maybe I, I, I think his defense was okay. I think he played center or right. He, maybe a three-tool player. Major League Baseball didn't say, sorry, you're not a five-tool player. You can't play. You're three tools. And you can think of this with people you work with, people in your department. People have different skills, and you think, well, you're qualified for this job, but you could be more qualified. But, you know, we're going to take what you can, we can get in this economy of work. It's not like that with pastors because you're talking about virtues and abilities. So you're either zero, not qualified to be a pastor, or one, qualified to be a pastor. It's a zero-one thing. Either or. Binary. Okay? So, if you're appointing these levels of pastors, I think you need to start asking your church is, why is it do these men need to be supervised by a senior? They're, they're, they're qualified. And then how about this? How about this? We talked about yesterday how most churches have these boards of elders and the senior pastor is equal to the board of elders. He's like an ex-officio member of the board of elders, but the, the youth pastor, the associate pastor, the music pastor, they're not. They're somehow lesser. And only one employed pastor is on the board. Hold on. Now somebody is going slow in the, in the left lane. I'm going to tell you this, in case you can find this. Oh, no, there's a child in the back seat. Listen, license plate RNT8605. They're a student at Georgia Highlands College. I point this person out because he or she, I can't make them out, has a uh, window decal for freedomchurch.tv, which is a horrible, seeker-sensitive concert church in Ackworth, Georgia on 41. And I just... I just shudder at thinking that poor child's being raised at that horrible, horrible place. So if you can track down that person, say, why, oh, why are you going to Freedom Church? That's the important spiritual conversation to have. The other conversation to have is why are you driving your tiny little car 60 miles an hour in the fast lane, in the left lane on I-75? causing traffic to back up for miles. Get your Toyota Yaris or whatever you are, or whatever it is, out of the fast lane. I can't get by them. Oh, traffic's all jammed up Friday. Am I supposed to sit and do the Christian commute stuck behind some heretic? Ugh. <clears throat> what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, senior pastors. <laughs> the, the Council of Lay Elders. So think about this. At... at XYZ Baptist Church and they've appointed the elders which one of those guys is the senior guy there might be like a chairman of the committee <coughs> but they're all equals aren't they the lay pastors that have been appointed or elected I should say maybe both by the local church say the church has five guys in the elder body do you notice they're all qualified men, hopefully, but there's not a senior and a junior. There's not one guy lording himself all over the others. There's not one guy who's exalted himself to the senior pastor. 
the senior elder. Have you ever even heard the term senior elder? I never have. Nevertheless, when they hire elders, the guys who are doing it vocationally, all of a sudden, one of them is a senior. All of a sudden, one of them is relegated to a life stage group. And there are women functionally doing their jobs in some cases. Like, the oh, well, this is our youth minister. She's a woman. This is our kids director. She's a woman. And this is our uh, music pastor. He's a man. Or this is our youth pastor. He's a man. But this is our music director. She's a woman. This little back and forth. Like, we, we see what you're doing there. And by the way, can I just say that we're talking about when you get into kids' ministry directors, and really, uh, I want to say preschool directors, they're not really doing anything pastorally because those kids are all unregenerate. They're not even old enough to understand the gospel yet. They're just looking after them. You know, there's, there's, there's no gifting there, male or female, that's like pastoral. And that there's, good, there's being good with kids. And those people are important and valuable to find. I'm just saying... Like you call these people a director, you would, you would, you never really think of a preschool pastor. And the same thing with these kids directors. Like, how many of these kids are regenerate? Who are you really pastoring? But think about that. Have you noticed? There's really no such thing as a junior elder or senior elder. They're all just elders. But when it goes to the people that have been hired, there's the guy, the senior pastor. And if you're walking around town and somebody says, oh, where do you go to church? And you say, well, I go to Tabernacle Baptist. Oh, who's your pastor? Patrick. Well, I go to First Baptist. Who's your pastor? Kyle. Oh, I go to, I go to uh, Liberty Square. Who's your pastor? Jacob. Knowing full well there's like 10 pastors on the website of all these churches. But you always say who? My pastor is the senior guy. And by the way, there's debates on this, on whether a church should have one pastor or multiple pastors. A lot of churches believe that you could just have one pastor, and that's it. And I think that's why you have these churches with boards of deacons, and the deacons are all members of the church, but there's only one pastor. That's how Roland's, the demonic church of Freemasonry, Roland Springs, is. They have a youth pastor, but he's not called a youth pastor. They, they call him... Uh, the minister of student families. I don't think they've. I don't think they've changed his title to pastor yet. By the way, that job is available on, on SBC.net. Send in your resume. <clears throat> so I'm, I would love some. Bring that up in your church business meeting. How come, brother Bob and brother Bill and brother Steve and brother Joe, who are all lay people, how come we're all calling them elders and there's no senior? But how come, you know, Brother Preacher Man is the senior pastor? Because we've already established that elders and pastors and bishops is the same thing. Why is this guy senior? Why is he, why are these other guys lesser? These other guys are equals. But this guy's lesser. These guys are lesser. And it has nothing to do with their qualifications. It's, it's, it's not spirituality. It's a function of how they are to perform. Because you've made it into a staff position. You've made it into business. The Bible says that the pastor is worthy of, of double honor. Don't muzzle the ox while he's treading. You're, if the pastor is, is 
pastoring vocationally or bivocationally, pay him. Pay the man. And I can understand why some of the lay, <coughs> lay elders don't get paid by the church. By the way, I think they should. Uh, but, you know, they're just showing up for meetings that go once a month. Okay, I understand. Maybe they don't want to take a salary. Maybe they'd take one and donate it all back to the church. But all the pastors are worthy of double honor, aren't they? Just because one guy works 40 hours doesn't mean he should get paid. The guy who pastors for three hours, why is he not paid? Shouldn't he get paid three-fortieths of what the other guy gets paid? Doing the math? <coughs> but really, going back to the point of what do you say around pout, whoever says when they're asked, like, oh, we have five elders at the church, and it's this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. No, you're always talking about the guy who preaches. You talk about the senior if you have a church with multiple elders. Now, if you have a church with one pastor, Roland Springs, Brother Joe, he's the pastor. But when you have pastors, how come your pastor is always the one guy? And that's not necessarily the guy that's going to come to your house and visit you when you're, you're sick. <coughs> so what we see from an examination of the Scripture is not just that there's no such thing in Scripture as a senior pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor. Just that those concepts aren't there. We actually apply what are the pastoral requirements or qualifications and we see if a man meets these qualifications he doesn't need another man lording himself over him as his pastoral supervisor. We're not, a, we're not Episcopals. We're not Roman Catholics that have a Pope and a Bishop and a uh, and the College of Cardinals, and then uh, then the priest at the church level. That's not how it works. There's no hierarchy. When you create a hierarchy in the group of pastors at your church, you're effectively creating like a little episcopate, like a little episcopal organization that's top-down within your supposedly congregational church. And when you think of those lay elders, say you have five, they can't fire one another. That has to be done by the congregation. The congregation would have to say, you're disqualified, you're not an elder anymore. But that senior pastor, in a lot of cases, he can fire somebody in his staff, whether the church says to or not. Now, I know the church has voted and saying, you know, we've given you this, this authority, you can fire these guys. But how come the senior pastor can fire guys, but the other elders can't? How come? Just a question. Why? Who thought of that? And here's a question for you. What are the expectations, the KPIs, if you will, <coughs> key performance indicators of those, lay, those laymen, those lay pastors? <coughs> or what we should really call them non-vocational pastors, who, by the way, have to meet the same qualifications from the Bible as the other guys. And there, there's not any. They're just supposed to show up to the meetings, and and they're just supposed to they're just supposed to oversee. I don't know what else to say. They're overseers, and they're supposed to oversee. And that's the only expectation of them. But all of a sudden, there's expectations of the pastoral staff, and it's usually to grow the church numerically some way. And we've heard about how people have like, well, you got to get 20 baptisms or 50 baptisms. You have to do a hundred visitations and net ten into Sunday school. So the youth pastor 
his his KRA or his KPI would, would be something like per, you, numbers of participation in the youth group. The education pastor, it would be Sunday school enrollment. You want to see growth in that, new Sunday school classes. And uh, discipleship pastor, maybe baptisms are his number. And then the senior pastor is going to be held accountable for everybody's numbers. So he's the guy saying, you know, sell, sell, sell. <clears throat> so think of somebody who's a sales manager. When you have like a VP of sales, a director of sales, a sales manager, he himself might have a few clients and do a little bit of selling, but his main job is to manage the team of salesmen and drive them to grow their book. And sell, sell to the book you have, keep that book, and then increase your book by getting other customers. That's his job. And he's going to sit down with those salesmen in meetings and say, you do this, why aren't you, that you're doing good, you're doing, but you need to do this, why aren't you hitting your numbers, blah, blah, blah. And he's going to lord it over them. And they'll be gone, and they'll get somebody who can sell if those guys can't do it. If those guys can't hit their numbers. And remember what my brother says about salesmen. They have a different relationship with truth than the rest of us. So what do you do when you turn your qualified pastoral staff into salesmen? Or, I'm sorry, what do you do when you turn them into seniors and juniors? You turn them into salesmen. You turn them into people from a, a staff of a corporation. And like I said yesterday, now the juniors are working to please the senior to keep their job. And they're wanting to be the senior, but they're not going to be the senior there. They're going to be the senior somewhere else. It's worse than football coaches. These football coaches go, they recruit a kid, they promise them the moon. Then two years later, when the team's improving, they go and take another job and leave that kid with some coach that they never heard of that they didn't sign up to play for. That's what happens in youth groups, by the way. A guy grows the group, gets a kid in 8th grade, the kid gets in 11th grade, he loves his youth pastor, he feels really discipled by that guy, and then all of a sudden the youth pastor gets God's call to go somewhere else and, you know, here's some other youth pastor who hadn't proven that he grows numbers. Guys, this is why you just don't have to give a crap about growth numbers at church. If you stop caring about growth numbers at your church, you're going to stop stop hiring a staff that's there for the purposes not of shepherding the people, but just growing numbers. And really, what do you care if your church grows 50 people or 100? Doesn't put any money in your pocket, does it? Doesn't put any prestige in your pocket, does it? What do you want to say? You go to a big church? What do you care? I don't care. I don't. I just, I want to do my part of the Great Commission and the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He grows the church, not me. And remember what we talked about, how J.D. Greer was saying, oh, you know, those people aren't really pastors. That youth pastor's not really a pastor. He's just a staff guy. He's a director. Man or woman, not really a pastor. Guys, do your, does your church have directors? Hey, hey, do you, do you know what I am? I'm a director. <coughs> and when I was a manager, I would say, hmm, I get a 10% bonus. I'm a manager. The directors get a 15% bonus. I want to be a director. Okay. 
I'm in it for the money. I'm very lucky to like what I do. I have a lot of job satisfaction. But if somebody offered me twice the money to do the same thing I'm doing now, as I've said before, what do you think I would do? What would you do? Napoleon Dynamite. The Wolverine was attacking my cousins. What would you do? And what would your staff pastor do? Leave? So when I see somebody at church with a director title, I know that that person's job is to grow numbers. Man or a woman. And we never call the men directors. And you know what? I really wish we would call the... I wouldn't be doing this whole podcast. You know what? I wouldn't do it. If all the underling pastors were called director of age group and there was just one pastor that they hired from outside, where's the show? There's no show. What's happening in church culture is you're foisting directors upon us, the people. I guess we're doing it to ourselves because we're congregation. I'm a Baptist. We're doing this to ourselves. It's like you, like we as Americans don't like paying the tax rates we do. Elect people who are lower or abolish our income taxes. Like we're doing this to ourselves. That's what gets me. We are doing this to ourselves. We are hiring ourselves in our business meetings. In our, we're, hire, we're appointing personnel committees to do this to ourselves. To hire a bunch of directors who are numbers growers. And then we are calling them pastors, if they're a man, to work for some senior pastor whose job it is to have those people hit their numbers. You think his job is to disciple you, to shepherd you? His job is to make people hit his numbers. And, and that's how we've ended up here. And I'll just, I'll, I'm, I'm here to pick up my kids. I want to end with this. You say, whoever the you is, you go to church, you go to the personnel committee, you go to the pastor, you say, you say there's such a thing as a senior pastor and an associate pastor and an executive pastor and a creative arts pastor <laughs> and a youth pastor and a kids pastor and a, and a old people pastor. You say that there's these things. Here's a Bible. Show me the qualification for a senior pastor and then show me the qualification for the associate pastor. And he'll look at the Bible and say, oh, they're the same. Interesting, they're the same. Well, why do we have them different? Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. As always, God bless. And remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. I've timed this perfectly. I'm picking up my kids. You guys don't forget to write those questions in. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.